I, I want us to look at what it takes for us to not be just a boy anymore. Ready to grow into men? Let's do it today, together. All right? I want you to see her biggest need, your woman's deepest need. Pull out your sermon notes. Write this down. This is important. It's unconditional love. Your woman's deepest need is unconditional love. The chapter 5 in Ephesians is kind of the, the most significant treatise on marriage in all of Scripture. And Paul concludes with some statements. One of them we looked at last week. That your, your husband, ladies, needs unconditional respect. And Laura taught, if you missed that, get that online. It's free. Listen as Laura teaches that because it's a, it's a game changer, ladies, for you. But today, I want to tell you what God says that we're to do, husbands. Listen to this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And that word love is the word agape, which it's the kind of unconditional love that Jesus has for us. Unconditional, just like the respect is to be unconditional. The love is to be unconditional. In fact, look what it says about Jesus. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. What was the joy set before him? The joy that was waiting for him. It was relationship with us. And see, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so you're not waiting guys for your wife to give you that unconditional respect to give her the unconditional love you're just giving it you start it you initiate it and it's so important that we understand that scripture in this instance it's kind of like the the instruments in an airplane do we have any pilots in here anybody one or two I see hands up well, there's visual flight rules, and what that is, is you look out the window. Most pilots, that's how they're, they're they, they've got a certificate for a visual flight, uh, you know, visual flight rules in their flight, and they look out, you can see familiar things, and, and you know where you are, you see the runway coming, all of these kind of things. And then there's another kind of rating that's a whole other level, it's called the instrument flight rating. And the instrument flight rating means that you look at your instruments. You don't even look out the window. It doesn't even matter what's going out on out the window. You look at your instruments and your instruments will tell you the truth. And it's so important that we begin to understand this because you remember JFK Jr. And the, the terrible plane crash that he had years ago that killed him and killed his wife and killed her sister. They said that over the bay... Where he was flying it was a gray day and what they mean by a gray day they said the sky is gray the horizons gray the sea is gray and they said that you can totally if you if you just look by vision you can totally be disoriented and that's exactly what happened to him he thought he was flying straight but he was taking a deep dive into the sea and they didn't know it till the moment they impacted and probably didn't even have time to think about it they were dead in an instant and I thought, how could that really be? I saw a documentary on it, and what was so interesting was it showed out the window on a gray day of a little Cessna plane, and it said, which way do you think we're going? And it looked like we were heading into the horizon, 
But in reality, they said, no, we're in a deep dive headed toward the sea. That's exactly what happened to JFK Jr. The Bible says this, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And guys, if we depend on our feelings, we're going to bring death to our relationship. Because there's some things going on that we don't understand. God's word is like the instruments in an airplane. We've got to look at that because sometimes when we're upside down, we're going to feel like we're right side up. And God's word is going to say, no, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. There's a way that's going to seem right, but it's wrong. That's the way you've been going in this downward spiral. I want to show you a whole nother way. For example... Husband, today, you are dead wrong about the feeling that your wife is trying to control you. She's trying to connect with you. Women confront, and this confrontation, it feels like disrespect and control. And it's a, an attempt, a desperation attempt to connect with us. Some of you are not my wife, maybe other Wives are, are, are trying to connect. My wife is trying to control. You're wrong, and it's killing your marriage. You, you see, even if you say to me, if another man talked to me the way that woman talks to me, I know they're picking a fight. I know it's disrespect. I know it's control. And I say, exactly, if another man did it, you'd be right. But she is an alien being. That is nothing like a man. She is an alien being living in your house. And she doesn't work at all from the core out the way that you work. When your good-willed wife is negative and offensive, she's crying out, connect to me. Everything inside you is going to say, she's trying to control me. But you're wrong. One counselor said that he taught a man this and he said his wife would always, I mean, just verbally emasculate him over, over all kinds of things. And, and then he would just start to stonewall, which is kind of our thing. You know what stonewall is? It means I'm a stonewall, right? Which drives your wife even more crazy because she's trying to connect. And he said after he learned what the counselor had taught him to do, he couldn't believe it. He came back. He said it was the craziest, weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. My wife, I, I did something wrong, and it was a small thing, but she began that verbal emasculation, and, and I just said to her, honey, you can continue to rant and verbally emasculate me, or we can go over and sit on the couch and hold hands and pray about this and do this together. We can figure this out. And he said it was the craziest thing. She stopped mid-rant. She went over, sat down on the couch, closed her eyes, and held her hands out. And he said, I just looked at her and go like, what just happened? Because see, her goal was accomplished, to connect. And he began to see it a whole other way. Guys, truthfully, it's easier for us to die for honor than to connect to a contemptuous wife, isn't it? But God is calling us to more. And my prayer is that we'll discover out of Scripture how to do this and, and, and what it means. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to, to get this. These are simple principles. I want to show you one quick thing, guys, and, and kind of how 
maybe I'm going to describe what's going on in your house, okay? I'm just going to put a little diagram up here. Love. Love. That's her deepest need. Without it, she reacts. And how does she react? Respect. Oh, no, not without it, right? She reacts without respect. And then he reacts. And how does he react? Without love. And there you go. And it just begins. It's called the crazy cycle. Emerson Egerich's named it that. He, he's the psychologist that, Lauren, I got a lot of this from because it just has been life-changing for us, you know? I mean, we almost didn't make it. We, we, we were on the edge in the brink of divorce earlier in our marriage in about year six, seven in there. And, and God just turned things around for us. If you look at this cycle from the side, it's not just a circle. It looks more like a tornado. See, it's cycling down. And you know what's down here at the bottom, right? What is that? That's divorce. Some of you say, I'll never divorce. Okay, that's murder. I don't know what, but, you know, there's something down there at the bottom that's not good, okay? And so, how do we turn this around? What do we do? Write these down. She shows disrespect and contempt. He reacts in ways that seem unloving, which escalates her disrespect and contempt, which escalates ways that seem unloving. To infinity and beyond, right? And, and that's where some of you are right now. But look what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. We don't want to destroy each other. Right now, some of you ladies are saying, well, if my husband wasn't so immature when I came to confront him and he wouldn't just walk away. Can I tell you something, ladies, about men? See, they're an alien to you. John Gottman says there's something that happens to a man in a fight that doesn't happen to a woman. It's called flooding. There is something in a man's system. Women have a tiny taste of it, but a man is overwhelmed by it. It's called flooding. In a fight or flight situation, Adrenaline and cortisol and a whole lot of other things begin to flood his system. And he only has two choices. To move away and get away from it or to almost physically fight. Because that's how he's physically wired up. So what happens? He doesn't want to physically fight you. And you're verbally fighting but he doesn't want to get into a, So he turns to walk away. And what do you do ladies? You follow him, don't you? And he tries to go in the other room and you're still going. And everywhere he goes, you're following. And it's driving you crazy because you're trying to connect and he's walking away. He wants your respect. And when you are verbally doing this with him, it shows no respect in his eyes. You're wanting to connect and feel love. And he's stonewalling or walking away or being silent. Or maybe some guys can get really verbal and abusive. But you don't feel that as love. And so it cycles. 
By the way, guys, this whole idea of biblical leadership, a lot of guys get kind of, yeah, God said I'm supposed to be the leader, right? It means really basically one thing, that God holds the man responsible to stop the crazy cycle. When you get to heaven and you've gone through the crazy cycle and you never stopped it, God's not going to look at your woman and go, why didn't you stop it? He's going to look at you because he says, I'm looking to you to stop this. Leadership, that's what it looks like. Well, in your relationship with God, as he demonstrated agape love to us, who made the first move? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we're to do the same with our wives. And so, how do you do it? Some of you are going, how do you do it? I'm so glad you asked. Let's get it. Ready? Pen ready? Number one, unite with her. Unite with her. I know some of you guys are going, I'll unite with her. No. I don't know why guys always go there first, but we do, don't we? Move toward your wife, not away from her. Closeness is what she wants. She wants to be close. It's not a coincidence. In the very first marriage, listen to what God said. So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one body. It's so much more than sexual, though. It's emotional. It's in every way. We become one together. That's her dream. In the book of Deuteronomy, God knew how important it was that we move toward our wives. Listen to the, to the law that he gave to the Israelites. He says, when a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out with the army nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year and shall give happiness to his wife whom he has taken. The whole first year. Now, I know that that might not be practical these days, but let me tell you what he's, the principle here is that the first few moments set the tone they set the tone you might not be able to take the whole first year off work but when you come home from work what is it that you want to do go to the fridge and get a cold one and have some lazy boy time right kick back in the old well you deserve it right well she went to work too but she's making dinner I don't know you know what's going on there the whole thing is do it together be together move toward her you you're not going to believe how that energizes her you know I learned about this this face-to-face -face kind of thing that's what women they want to be face-to-face -face. did you know in all of God's creatures that human beings are the only ones who can be sexually intimate face-to-face -face. and that's what God intended us in every way to be face-to-face. -face. And your woman, she wants to be face-to-face -face with you. In all of life, when Sarah, my daughter, was three years old, I learned this because she's talking to me. And Sarah used to just talk, 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 talk. She was one of those little verbal kids, you know. Sometimes Laura would just go, oh, and she'd go, Sarah, can you go talk in the other room? And she would. She'd just go talk in the other room to herself, by herself, but I remember one time she was doing a, her talking thing to me, and I obviously wasn't paying attention, I was, 
And she reached up and grabbed, I remember her little chubby baby hands, you know, grabbing my face and said, Daddy, look at me. That's a woman. Even at three, she's a woman. She's a little alien woman, you know. And it's like, I don't remember David ever doing that, my son, to me. Look at me. And, and it's so important that we have this face to face. It's going to motivate her. It's going to energize her. Paying attention. Pay attention. Close proximity. Heard a story about an older couple having dinner in a restaurant and the wife sees a, a, another couple in a booth nearby and they're actually sitting on the same side instead of on across from each other and he's got his arm around her and he keeps kind of stroking her hair and pulling it back out of her eyes and he leans over and whispers in her ear and she kind of blushes and she's just been watching this interaction and she says to her husband who's just sitting there eating, she says, see that guy over there? See how he's stroking her hair and putting his arm around her. See how he's leaning over and whispering in her ear. Why can't you do that? And the man looks up from his Caesar salad and looks over there. He says, honey, I don't even know that woman. <laughs> Sometimes we're a little clueless. But guys, this can pay off big time. One woman said this, my husband is talking more to me. He's been more affectionate, and I feel like we've been closer in the past few weeks than we have in years. Unite, cleaving, closeness costs nothing but time and attention. There's a second thing that goes right along with it. Open your heart's door to her. Open your heart's door to her. She wants you to open up to her. See, women see husbands as mysterious islands, and they're swimming around, trying to find a place to come ashore, and some of you guys don't have any docks. And your wife is drowning out there. Like to come ashore. But it's sheer cliffs, you know? And, and yeah, I heard that. And that's what it feels like. And she yearns for like when you, when you were dating, when you were courting each other, do you remember? It was kind of like, uh, the Song of Solomon, as you opened up your inner dreams and your inner desires and heart to her, that openness was like Solomon 5.2. It says, the one I love was at the door knocking and saying, my darling, my very own, my flawless stuff, open the door to me. It symbolizes two people drawing close, sharing hearts. But what happens to that openness once you get married? See, she thought you were going to be like one of her close girlfriends. And y'all were going to share everything. But you are not. Ladies, you didn't marry your close girlfriend. You married your husband. And he's an alien to you. Okay? And he doesn't think like you. But guys, let me just tell you something. It's so important that you open up to her. And let her see inside. You see, remember, ladies, that we told you that Women are like spaghetti and everything's interconnected in the way they think. That was the very first message in this. If you didn't get that, go back and get it because it's real important. Guys are like waffles because everything's compartmentalized. Well, one thing we compartmentalized is you. We saw you and we had a box. Win that woman. And then we started going out and we had another box. Woo that woman. 
And some of you guys, in that little woo that woman box, if you look back, there's some really bad poetry. You wrote poetry. You remember that? You're trying not to remember that, but you even wrote poetry to your wife. You gave her little cards. You sat for hours and talked and just about dreams and stuff. And then there's another box once we get married and it's called provide for that woman. That is not very romantic, okay? And guys, we need to go back through our other boxes and not forget them. Because what you didn't realize, when you were in the woo that woman box, you were meeting a deep need of hers, of openness. You see, you think that, that she wants to just get inside and, and, and know everything. Why does she, you come home from work and she follows you around and asks you about work. I don't want to talk about work again. I already lived it. Well, how'd it go today? That woman, she is so suspicious. No, she's not suspicious. She's trying to connect. One guy said, it feels like my woman, she has like those claws, you know, that they used to, to, to get people, uh, that rescue them out of cars after they get all smashed in a wreck. And it, it's like she just wants to reach inside me and just pull everything out. That's not what she's doing. She's saying, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to be kept up to date in your life. I want to be a part of who you are. And then what happens to us is we get bitter. The Bible knew that. It says in Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. The Greek word there is like have a bitter taste in your mouth. She can tell. Some of you are walking around with a bitter taste in your mouth. In fact, in counseling, except for organic issues, like, you know, something going on physically with a man. When a man doesn't want to make love to his wife, I always know there's resentment that's built up to the point that he has no feelings about that anymore. And I can always tell. I can mark it down. Openness. Guys, think about, I want you to do this. Think this, okay? After dinner, say, say to your wife, after dinner, honey, let's have coffee and let me tell you all about my day and you tell me all about your day. You want to pick her up off the floor? Now, she has said that like 5,000 times already. But I'm saying you say it. How about this one? Honey, what would you think about taking a few extra minutes every night after we put the kids to bed, turning off the computers and TV and just talking about our day? If it's okay with you, I'd like to start tonight. Plunk. Your wife's negativity is rooted in the feeling of not being loved. Number three, be understanding with her. Be understanding with her. Notice I didn't say understand her. Thank the good Lord, right? The Bible knows us. It says live with your wives in an understanding way. Didn't say you'll ever understand your wife. You won't. You're never going to get it. But live with her in an understanding way. You have two powerful tools to do that. Two powerful weapons. They're right here on the side of your head. They're called ears. You see, what happens is your wife connects with you through conversation. Men don't do that. Men have conversation to get across an idea 
or something that needs to be done or a problem to be fixed. So when your wife comes to you, have you not figured out that she's smarter than you yet? She comes to you with issues and you try to fix them and she doesn't need to be fixed. She already knows the answer better than you. She just wants to share it with you. Well, that's weird. No, it's not weird to her. It's weird to you. So I've learned to ask a really good question to Laura when she comes to me. Because the first thing, you know, you know I, 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 I want to ask is, am, am I in trouble? <laughs> but the question is really, do you need a solution? Do you need a solution or a listening ear? Did you know that 99 times out of 100, not 9 times out of 10, she'll say a listening ear. Hold me. Tell me everything's going to be all right. Well, I can fix this for you in three simple steps. She doesn't need that. Some husbands might be wondering, well, what do you talk about? You don't have to, you, you're not, don't worry. My wife, she's quiet. She's an introvert. But when she, she knows what she wants to talk about. Your job is to, I want you to go into like psychologist mode. When I was in school and learning how to counsel, you ask questions like, so what I hear you saying, honey, is, and repeat it. She'll just be amazed that you actually heard it. What it seems you're feeling, clarify this for me, and just keep repeating what she's saying to you. You don't even have to have a thought in your head. This is, this is good news for us. But you do have to have your face toward her and pay attention. Don't, don't be thinking, I need to get the car fixed. And she's going to be done pretty soon, but I'm going to act like I care. She knows the difference, okay? So your woman comes to you and says, can we talk? And you go, red alert. The alien Klingon vessel is getting close, Right? And what do you say? What do you want to talk about? Oh, wrong answer. See, she's connecting to you by talking. You know how we connect? Ladies, you're not going to believe this. Sexually. We connect in the same way that conversation energizes you. Making love to you energizes us. There's something about that sexual act that connects us to you. Even if we've been having trouble. That's why when you have the most trouble, sometimes your guy goes... Let's just make love. It'll be okay. And you're going like, no, it won't. Uh, sex monster guy, you know? And so, uh, that's, but, so when you say about what, I want to talk about what. It's like when you say to your wife, honey, let's make love. And she goes, why? You want to have another kid? No. I just want to connect to you. And see, here's the thing. It feels the same to her. So, do that. Converse. Honey, what I, I hear you saying is this. Face to face. And then number four, demonstrate loyalty. She needs to know you're committed. Demonstrate loyalty. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. You know... Your wife is going to inevitably ask you at some point in your marriage, probably not many months in, 
honey, will you still love me when I'm old and gray? When I'm, if they're 20, in their 20s, will you love me when I'm 40? If they're 80, they're going to say, 70, so will you love me when I'm 80? And what do we in, invariably say? <laughs> no, I'm going to trade you in for two 40-year-olds. <laughs> We're a little funny. <laughs> we are so funny. Us, us divorce men here. <laughs> no, here's the thing. She's asking. She wants, honey, I'll love you till the day I die. I'll love you when you're old and gray. One lady said to her husband, a friend of, of, of mine said, will you love me even if I get fat? He goes, you're already fat and I love you. That was a lot of expensive counseling, my friend. <laughs> she knows she's a one-woman man. Are you a one-man woman? Did I say that right? Anyway, the thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ego boundaries can drop easily. Scott Peck, eminent psychiatrist, said that in your lifetime, your ego boundaries can drop with, a, with, with another person 10, 12, 14 times. That means that, that's that euphoric feeling, the falling in love. That's all Hollywood knows. They think that is love. That's why they're jumping around all over the place, right? And, and, and that's why, you know, Tom Brady can leave his wife who's pregnant for Giselle because, you know, all those years ago, it's because he had a feeling and it, he felt that this is real love. This is, this is not, this is, this is not, you know, that's not right. Scott Peck says, that's just ego boundaries dropping. And the, the thing to know is that can happen often. You have to guard yourself even against that. But he said, six months to a year into that, that fades. And then you have to begin the work of real love. And real love is actions that we do. And that's where it gets deep and sweet and amazing. But most people are always looking in America today for that euphoric thing. Which is not love at all. It's just our ego boundaries dropping with each other. It's really interesting stuff when you get into it. So honor her. Esteem her. Protect her. Pretend like you're an offensive lineman and she is Tom Brady. And you're protecting her, right? I'm trying to use a Super Bowl analogy for us guys, okay? It's probably a bad one because they said only 18% of us are for the Patriots today. So go Eagles. And... Here's the thing. The good news is, guys, you only have to focus on two questions. Are you ready? The two critical questions. If you will ask this every time, this will save you from a world of hurt. Is my wife coming across to me disrespectfully because she's feeling unloved? Is my wife coming across to me disrespectfully because she's feeling unloved? And go ahead and put the answer. Yes. You're saying, no, I don't know you do know the answer. Yes, but yes. So the next question is, will what I say or do next come across as loving or unloving to my wife? Will what I say or do next come across as loving or unloving to my wife? Proverbs, wisest man who ever lived, said in 1623, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth. Do you really love your wife? Tell your mouth. 
It's so important that we do that. This is, this is a decision that we have to make. We're going to talk, Laura and I are going to talk together again next week about the power that's needed. Because some of you are going like, will the next thing be loving or unloving? Well, it's going to be unloving, and here it goes, right? I want to give you the power next week so it to be loving. Ladies, for you to respect unconditionally your husband, to love unconditionally your wife. I have one assignment for you guys. Here it is. I want you to come to our marriage event. It starts on Friday night. It goes on Saturday. Laura and I are going to be talking Friday night. We'll, we'll even have fun. We'll eat together. We'll have a dance together. If you can't dance, join me on the side. I can't dance with the flip either. We'll watch the people who can. But we're going to just... And, and you say, well, that's too light for where my marriage is. Here, listen to this. All of us, no matter where your marriage is, if it's running at an eight or it's running at a negative eight. This is going to make a difference because the last thing we're going to do on Saturday is we're going to give you a tool that both of you are going to work on. And with that tool, you're going to write some things out. And Aaron Thomas and all of our counselors, they said they've seen this over and over. I've seen it. A thousand marriages saved by this one tool because we're going to give you, with that tool, one hour of free counseling worth $180, free counseling from our staff to go through that tool together. And when you do this, it will change things. We have watched marriages that said, we know we're going to divorce next week, be saved. And we have watched marriages who were running at a six or seven jump up to a nine off this one tool. And so much healing that takes place. So there's a number to text on the screen. Guys, pull out your phone right now. I give you permission during this prayer to text that. It's $35 a piece, but you're getting a $180 gift at the end from us. That just covers, the $35 a piece just covers our cost on the food and all the stuff that we're doing. Um, but let me tell you something. If you're out of work or things are difficult right now, you can also, you can just go out to the information desk. If you don't want to text the number, go out to the information desk and sign up. But just tell them, I'm having some tough financial times right now. Laura and I will pay for yours. Pay as much as you can. We'll pay the rest. I want you there. Don't not be there. I'm hoping that it'll be a crowd as big as this. Especially for that tool at the end. We'll have fun together. We'll get to know each other. Some of you are really suffering. You say, I don't really feel like having fun. I get it. Be there for the tool on Saturday, okay? Will you do that? Will you sign up? Your wife's going to see that right now. And it's going to make a world of difference.